0: Hey, NBA fans. Like a Dragon 7 here. Coming at you guys with another NBA podcast. This time, I'll be talking about the playoffs. And we'll start off by going through the Eastern Conference and talking about the first and eighth seed matchup, which is the Milwaukee Bucks and the Detroit Pistons. So as I go through each matchup, I'll talk about You know, a couple of storylines going to the game and, you know, what X factor, uh, which player could be a difference to make, you know, a series interesting. And so, you know, one of the headlines for this matchup is Blake Griffin not being fully healthy. He's had knee soreness since, uh, I think about, uh, since the start of this week. And while he's not officially ruled out for the game, he's been on the Pistons injury report since last Monday. And he played a couple. I think he played the season finale for Detroit as a, you know, locked in the eighth seed. But you know his injury makes what was already a lopsided matchup even more lopsided. Milwaukee having the likes of Giannis, Kentekumbo, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, having real of uh, Giannis and complementary pieces around him, like. Brook Lopez, uh, spacers like Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez around him, you know, it's going to be tough for the p- Pistons to, you know, match that to any degree. So I think the X factor in this matchup to make it any sort of interesting is Blake Griffin. He's the only one on the Pacers that I believe can, you know, show out that can score thirty and maybe make a game close and a couple of, a couple of balls bounce the Pistons way and they maybe take one out of the series. But other than that, I think that the series will go in four. Uh, Blake Griffin still dealing with that knee soreness kind of worries me, really worries me. And the Pistons not really having another go-to guy past him is going to be a problem for the Pistons as they face the best team in the league record-wise. Next up is the second versus seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, which is the Toronto Raptors facing up against the Orlando Magic. And, you know, the Magic at the start of the season drafted Mo Bamba, another long player, added to their hopes of matching him up with an ultra long lineup of having him, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon on the floor at the same time, at filling up the 3, 4, and 5 spots and basically being able to stretch out their arms and able to, you know, make up the size, the width of the NBA court. And, you know, he really, you know, was pretty good, you know, for a rookie, but the main problem was when he was on the court, the Magic were being outscored by 20 points. And ever since they lost him uh, in February, they've only lost 10 games since. And, you know, the Magic have zoomed from middling around within the, in, in the playoff matchup to securing a, the Southeast Division two days before the, the season ended. However, uh, no matter how hot the Magic were going to come into the series, they were going to face one of the top teams in the league. And while they have an all-star, Nikola Vucevic, the you know the Raptors have arguably three of them: uh, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, who obviously wasn't one, but you know, had some performances that could be a sign of things to come. Kyle Lowry, you know the three players that have really shown out to the season, and. You know, they're not facing the Toronto Raptors of old, which, you know, at any point could have imploded when it was just DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry just kind of middling around with a really good bench. And that's going to be a problem for the Magic. And the player that can make things interesting is a former Toronto Raptors player that is now playing off the bench for the Orlando Magic in Terrence Ross. In their aforementioned Tear since February, he's averaged 17 points off the bench, and if Terrence Ross can do what he's done a couple times this season, uh, more than a couple times this season, and you know explode for maybe you know get hot and score you know 30 points off the bench, that could be a huge spark for an Orlando team that isn't that great offensively, and probably more than likely will have trouble stopping the Raptors on the other end. So they're not going to, even though their run has been built off, you know, what's mostly which was mostly an easy schedule and being able to stop low, def, low scoring offensive teams and the Knicks and the Hornets and the Cavs, they're not going to be able to do the same against the Raptors. And if they're gonna hope if they hope to take this series any further than four, I think they're gonna have to score pound for pound against the Raptors and hope something you know comes their way. So even if you know something like that happens, I believe at, at best for the Magic that they can take the series to five. Next up, I'll be talking about the Sixers versus the Philadelphia Sixers versus the Brooklyn Nets and in this 3v6 matchup it's a team that's missing Joel Embiid for the time being versus a team that has had a resurgence after the after some two very disappointing seasons D'Angelo Russell really showed out and the team around him kind of really rallied behind him. And the Nets, you know, they've shown they've had some really crazy games this year. You know, there was this one amazing game I saw live where they were down around seven points with a minute left against the Houston Rockets when James Harden was just hitting everything for the Rockets. And they tied up the game in a minute and exploded in overtime to win by, I think, like eight. You know, this Nets team has had some really fun games and they've built their playoff-pushing season off a fast-paced team. And the problem is they're going to face another team like that in the Philadelphia Sixers. The Sixers have gone through the season you know, just adding talent. They started off the season with only two stars, and then early in the year they got Jimmy Butler. And then at the trade deadline they got Tobias Harris. And while in my opinion I don't think these moves will take them to the finals, it'll definitely get them past the first round. And as much as the Nets improved this year, it's not enough to overcome this talent deficiency. While well, they have, you know, the likes of D'Angelo Russell really showing up Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to an extent. Joe Harris, you know, with his three-point shooting. It's not on par with the talent that the Sixers have. And even without Joel Embiid uh, for, at most, I think the first game, I'm not entirely sure of his availability for the series. I think the Sixers take this in four. And the final series in the Eastern Conference, I'll be talking about, is the four versus five seed seeds facing off in the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers. And you know the Boston Celtics throughout the year have been you know plagued with questions about are they ever gonna figure themselves out? You know there's so much talent on this roster. They took the Cavs to seven last year in the Eastern Conference finals. And now they're struggling to, you know, even get home court in the first round. And, you know, you with a very maddening, you know, middle of the road, you know, just tr- struggling to stay over 500 throughout the year. And then they kind of showed some identity with Gordon Hayward, you know, kind of showing out late in the season and he'll, he'll be the x-factor for this series against the pacers and probably the whole playoffs for the celtics you know the pacers are g- gonna have a struggle they don't have their best player in victor oladipa who skyrocketed them into a position where as long as they stayed around 500 they were gonna make the playoffs no matter what and you know with a team basically built up of complementary players and Wesley Matthews, Demontis Sabonis, Darren Collison, Miles Turner, all really good guys um, as complementary pieces, but none of them really being able to just straight up score on their own. However, even without a leading man, I think that you know the Celtics are still gonna struggle somewhat, and you know I, even though I think the Celtics are gonna dominate the series. I can see a game happening where the Pacers have, you know, maybe a Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, kind of show out and, you know, hit a couple hit a lot of threes, have Miles Turner, you know, dominate Al Horford, you know, in Indiana for game three. And I see this series going in five. Uh, I don't know. Something's just telling me that the Pacers have it in them. You know, they've had some really good wins this year. They've shown out against very tough teams. And, you know, even though they have a lot less talent, I I expect there to be a couple close games in this one. And now going into the Western Conference, start off with a first versus eighth seed and, of course, the Golden State Warriors facing off against, surprisingly, the Los Angeles Clippers. Ever since they traded Tobias Harris, At the trade deadline, people thought, you know, what is this team even playing for? And, you know, (laughs) caps off to Doc Rivers. He really coached the hell out of this team and took them into the playoffs, albeit as an eighth seed, facing the most, you know, talented Golden State Warriors team just from a start perspective. And... Even as the Golden State Warriors were facing one of their most, you know, wishy-washy seasons, they still ended up as the first seed for a reason. And with the Clippers not having a set star, you know, their only hope, in my opinion, for to at most the the best case scenario for the Clippers is to get the series to five, and the man who can do that is Lou Williams. Coming off the bench, he goes on scoring tears. I think he's gone over 30 points at least five times this season. He's their only, you know, consistent scorer. One of the best players in crunch time. Uh, Always able to get a shot off. And, you know, even if that happens at some point, Golden State, you know, having Curry, Thompson, Durant, Draymond Green... DeMarcus Cousins, all in just their starting lineup, it's too much for the Los Angeles Clippers, who've had a great season, have a great coach, it's just not enough for them to overcome one of the most talented teams in NBA history, having five All-Stars basically on one team. Next, um, the two-versus-seventh seed in the Denver Nuggets versus the San Antonio Spurs, I think this is going to be a really interesting series. It's going to answer a lot of questions. Uh, uh, Well, one question in particular. Is Denver good enough to compete? Last year, they lost a playing game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they greatly improved over the season. For most of the season being the first seed in the West and showing that they actually have defense now. Um, after one of the worst defenses last year in the league and having one of the worst defenses last year in the league and they're going to be facing a pretty tough opponent. They're facing a really well-coached Greg Popovich squad that has, even though they don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, they still have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. And this series is going to be interesting. Um, I think that from a pure talent standpoint, Denver has everything that they need. Uh, they got Jamal Murray, uh, one of the, the the best passing big in Nikola Jokic, and a bench that you know really showed out in a very injury-plagued season, having to, be, having to play players like Torrey Craig, uh, which who, who was a G Leaguer, I think, I believe last season or a second round pick, something like that, and he was able to thrive with Denver's pass around system. A uh, you know Warriors like play uh, unselfish basketball. It's gonna be really fun to watch uh, the team that basically started, you know, uh, the Warriors' revolution in the San Antonio Spurs versus a team that. Adopted it this season and worked really well with it in the Denver Nuggets. And while I think that Greg Popovich will make a difference, I think his only difference will be keeping games close. Uh, and even with the veteran leadership that the Spurs have in DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, the Denver Nuggets still have Paul Millsap, who while isn't really... A, while he isn't really a huge star, he's still really a really good veteran and can lead a team, uh, has experience leading a team deep into the playoffs like he did in 2014-15 season or, or the 15-16 season when he was with the Atlanta Hawks and the 16-win Hawks went all the way to the Eastern Conference semifinals, I believe. Something like that. And next I'll be talking about the Portland Trailblazers versus the OKC Thunder in the Battle of the Third Seed versus the Sixth Seed. And, you know, Portland really is really going to miss one player. They, they still have Damian Lillard. They still have CJ McCollum. They still have the shooters in Seth, Seth Curry. Uh, and Miles Leonard to an extent. That's a stretch five, kind of. But they're facing one of their worst nightmares in a team that's pretty hungry from a huge upset from last season when the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to the Utah Jazz. And, you know, if Portland had Nurkic, I think I'd say this series would go to seven and go in Portland's favor. However, you know, the huge issue for me is a rebounding advantage, and I believe the starter for the Blazers would probably be Miles Leonard. And you know, him versus Steven Adams I don't know about you, but I think Steven Adams would win that nine out of ten times, if not ten out of ten times, whenever going up for a rebound. And while Portland, you know, is the third seed, you know, they're facing. A team that started off the season hot, you know, may have gone out of the All Star break stumbling, still struggling to find their identity, struggling to find their identity. But I still believe that, you know, talent wins out, and I trust a trio of stars, of stars, semi-stars, and a semi-star in Stephen Adams over Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adam, I'd say even a semi-star with uh, Dennis Schroeder, who's shown to be a really good pickup for them after in the trade for Car- uh, that away Carmelo Anthony. I think OKC okay, will revenge, avenge their loss from last season and take this series in six. And finally, I'll be talking about the fourth versus fifth seed in the West. And this series is going to be the Houston Rockets versus the Utah Jazz, a repeat of last year's Eastern Conference semifinal. And, you know, I, I think it's going to have the same, the, the same result. You know, Utah, unlike last year, you know, isn't coming to the... Playoffs as hot as they were last year, they weren't coming in with so much momentum. And you know, against a Rockets team that's going into this series being the second best defense since the All-Star break, I think Utah won't be able to overcome that. You know, they're they have pretty good, they have really good players. They have Donovan Mitchell. They have Rudy Gobert, they have Ricky Rubio to an extent, who's good, you know, he's a very good player, but when you look at Houston, who's really gelled together, you know, they have Chris Paul, they have James Harden, they have Clint Capella, who kind of dominated the last, I wouldn't say dominated, but, you know, outplayed Rudy Gobert last season, and I'm I believe he's gotten a little bit better, you know, not marginally, not to the point where Clint Capella is one of the top five centers in the league, but I still believe that he's shown some improvement in the pick and roll, you know, the Rockets defense as a whole got better with him, um, you know, in the lineup. It's going to be tough, and I, I think a major problem, especially with Utah, is not having a second scorer, you know, a secondary scorer, you know, with the Rockets, it's not as big of a deal, you know, you have, you know, you have James Harden, you know, have, having an amazing scoring season, but you have Chris Paul behind him, Eric Gordon, guys you can get, you know, high at any point, Lob Machines and Kenneth Freed and Clint Capella, You know, the the Rockets have set scores, uh, not set, but I'd say reliable, interchangeable scores from time to time uh, behind Harden. And in my opinion, you just can't say the same about the Utah Jazz. Yeah, they have, you know, Joe Ingles maybe, but, you know, he's not really as good, you know, especially in the regular season as he was last year, and uh, they don't have a second guy that can provide that real scoring punch. They have a lot of good all-around players, and Ricky Rubio, not really known for his scoring. Jay Crowder, also not known for his scoring. You know, Kyle Korver, you know, as a three-point shooter, but really hasn't brought a lot, especially this season, to make a marginal difference for the Utah Jazz. And, you know, with Utah, you know, even though they had a pretty good end of the season i i think houston will take this in four and you know they're going to reassert in my opinion reassert their dominance as the sole you know contender to the warriors in the west so thank you for listening um I, i hope this was this ended up pretty well uh we'll see how the playoffs roll around and i'll Check back after the end of the first round. Thank you for listening. Like a Dragon 7, out.